0: i'm ray novak with come america this is radios in action today we're visiting with steve goodgame with the arrl steve how's it going today great ray how are you i'm doing all right man you've been very active since you started with the AWRL. what year year and a half ago uh just over two years ago so september 6 two years ago it's my first day on his staff here. wow Wow, two years. That has really flown by. I, re- I remember doing the videos with you out at Lake Sardis and yep. uh, 705 with, uh, as you call her, the child unit. Child unit 74 Alpha. Yep. She's still down that way. So uh, okay. so tell me what's been exciting and things that you've been doing with the ARRL. So
1: um, the biggest thing is our, our STEM push. You know, we're pushing to get amateur radio through you know wireless technology into more stem programs in school we have grown the teachers institute next year we'll have seven of them um you know we when i came here we were barely filling three and some of them weren't even full and so to have seven of them and we have more than enough applicants it, it all boils down to to funding i could probably run 15 or 20 if i had the funding to do so
0: okay for those that are that have joined us at Tone nope can you Describe what STEM is, and I think it's also been called STEAM in some areas.
1: So, yeah, so STEM or STEAM, STEAM just kind of adds that A in there for art, but STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math education. And, you know, from my perspective, you know, I taught school for 21 years. A lot of that was in, quote, unquote, STEM education before it was really called STEM. And what I was doing is I was using amateur radio as kind of that that base level of a scaffold to teach some other concepts like computer programming and stuff like in math and stuff like that
0: so how does stem differ from what is going on in today's uh public education systems um i don't know
1: that stem really differs i mean stem today is is kind of the main push pretty much everywhere i think Um, you know public education historically has had you know, math education and science education, it hasn't had a lot of engineering components to it and technology components as we go through. So it's kind of turning a little bit more towards the technology and engineering part, you know, basically teaching kids how to think instead of telling them what to think and how to solve problems.
0: Well. I know I've got five boys, and they all went through a very nice school district, Tahoma School District in uh, Washington State. And their focus was teaching to perform to a test. Mm -hmm. STEM's a lot more hands-on and practical experience, isn't it? It is,
1: yeah. So, like I said, 21 years in the classroom. All 21 years, I was expected to have my kids excel at the test. Um, A lot of places still teach to that test, but I've found that teaching kids to actually take uh, an interest in some of the areas that are on the test and learn to manipulate numbers and formulas and stuff like that and get hands-on practice, they still end up excelling on the test and they take an interest in some of those areas as well.
0: It's it's interesting with the years that I've been in amateur radio, you see the technologically curious at a very early age and they feel like misfits in the classroom because they're either the ones that are always raising their hand uh, to answer the questions or being the ones that are looked at as being a nerd a geek um, i'm raising my hand because i was one i i sat in a classroom after hours and during recess to teach myself computer programming. So I fully understand that position, but the, the stuff that you're doing with the ham radio is, is allowing some to really excel, aren't they?
1: It is. And, you know, it's important for people to realize that, like I said, amateur radio is just that bait, that scaffold that we can build upon. You know, nowadays, everywhere schools are, are all interested in going to space and space programs and you can't go anywhere cool without radio and wireless technology so for kids to get exposed to that stuff at a young age is is critical cuz you know innovation comes from from basically kids and their dreams kids by default dream big but if we don't tell them and plant that seed early in their life to start dreaming then innovation kind of ceases to happen and the fact is somebody's going to innovate it's just we need to have it you know be our kids
0: it, it is funny um, one of the reasons why, at least my personal opinion, that kids dream big is they haven't learned the rules of no. Yeah. Or the rules of you can't. And, um, I mean, you've had some pretty incredible kids come through your program. Uh, Jerica is one of them. Uh, I remember one that you introduced me to at Dayton, Cody. Cody just blew me away with his enthusiasm about amateur radio. And yep. I think he's dragging his dad, screaming and kicking. So yeah, he's
1: Cody's a, another great kid. But yeah, he he got licensed with me in in sixth grade actually, and I I had the the privilege of having Cody twice. So I had him in sixth grade, then I got him back again in eighth grade, and so he's gotten his his extra. He's you know he's traveling around now with Carol Perry doing some some presentations. He took an interest in APRS and DPRS. And so, you know, he's he's up and running and having a great time. He's got a full station at his house. He's running that 7300 and just having a good time.
0: Tell us a couple more of your success stories, whether it's with the instructors or with the kids, because at both levels, you have to have superstars pushing the, the, the idea of this. You're right. And I, I truly believe that,
1: especially since coming here, that we have to be able to inspire teachers so that the teachers can inspire kids. And so, you know, we bring the teachers up and we've had some great teachers come through the program. Um one of them Kristen Cusco, she's down in Virginia. Her kids built and lost a CubeSat. I mean, it's, you know, so built, they built and launched or built and lost. Well, both actually. <laughs> so so they it, it it deployed on SpaceX 26. Um, they shot it out of what I jokingly call the T-shirt launcher on the space station, Um, and it deployed. But when it deployed, the iridium radio failed, which you know that's part of the learning process. Um, they did get a couple pings off of the APRS on there, but eventually yeah, it's it was considered lost. But still, for for a group of kids to be able to say that they launched a satellite and and it actually achieved orbit. In fact, it was just about a month ago that the orbit finally decayed and they figure it's it's burned up now.
0: Let me see if I get this right. Middle school or a high school student having a project that was launched from the International Space Station? High school students. Yes, it was a it's a big program
1: down there. It's at the Thomas Jefferson High School for no, don't, don't make me lie about the rest of the name. It is at the TJ The program is called TJ Space and it's it's at the Thomas Thomas Jefferson High School.
0: That, that that is that is extremely cool to think that someone other than NASA can launch an experimental CubeSat. And when when you say CubeSat, we're talking about yeah, something talking about, about this that Yay Big, yeah. With
1: you know they they built it and and launched it. It was actually part of a a long program that had kind of gone by the wayside, and Kristen came in and picked it up, and then. You know, now she's got a bunch of kids that they're licensed hams. They're they're actively engaged in not only the space community, but in amateur radio as well. So
0: you, know, you, you mentioned that they're ham radio operators, they're licensed hams. What is the significance of that? And why do they want to get a ham radio license to do this kind of stuff? So there are a lot of things with amateur radio that the license is required to be
1: able to do. Um... For example, we're building a Teacher's Institute 3, which is going to focus heavily on on space communications, which is, you know, communicating through some of our satellites in the International Space Station. Those are all on amateur radio frequencies. The other part of it's going to be high altitude ballooning and tracking it using amateur radio frequencies there as well. So it, it opens up a lot of area for experimentation for kids Um well for kids and grown grownups as well um, where they get to kind of embrace their, their nerdness, as you <laughs> alluded to earlier, and and really get to experiment and explore. And, you know, it also opens the door for things like scholarship opportunities. Um, as soon as they're a licensed amateur radio operator, they be, you know, the AAAL Foundation. We have, last year, we gave away almost a million dollars in scholarships to kids. And wow. one, of, one of the requirements for those scholarships is you have to be a licensed amateur radio operator and you know basically you have to be engaged in some aspect of amateur radio
0: so well, that that is one of the wonderful things about having an amateur radio license because honestly that's that's where today's technology gets developed i mean people think that it's that it's in some secret laboratory whether it's a skunks work laboratory type facility or mit the reality is a lot of cool stuff is developed by ham radio operators just because of that technologically curious gene that they have. So, Steve, you were talking about the experiments and we kind of segued a little bit, but we're going to come back to the International Space Station. How closely that do these students that build the CubeSats and other experiments get to work with actual astronauts? So,
1: I don't think they get to work very close
0: with them in the actual
1: process of you know design and everything but one of the the cool things about the international space station and you know ARIS, amateur radio on the iss is one of our, our our great partnerships they do amazing things and so they have the opportunities to to arrange either preset contacts with astronauts so they can talk to them and a lot of times especially in the last year or so i guess about a year and a half we've been fortunate in that we've had astronauts up there who have just wanted to get on the air and so it wasn't uncommon at all for for kids and just hams in general to to be able to work and talk to an astronaut just during their downtime. I mean, they have limited downtime, but, you know, when they are off the clock, so to speak, a lot of times they'll, they'll still get on the air and and talk to folks. So,
0: OK, Steve, you, you mentioned about curriculum items and that does the league have a set um, curriculum suggestions or anything like that for teachers that want to incorporate this into their, their lesson plans? Actually,
1: that's one of the, the very first things I started doing when I got here was building lesson plans. You know, one of the biggest hurdles teachers have is getting approval from their administration, especially when they're going to try to tackle something new to try to come up with lesson plans from scratch about things that they're just kind of scratching the surface of themselves. It gets hard. So one of the things that I've started doing is we're building um, lesson plans that are that are correlated to Common Core standards and next generation science standards. And those are all being housed on the AIDA Learning Center. So, you know, members and non-members alike can access those. I'm just interested in getting more teachers to to pull those down and get engaged with kids in radio.
0: Yeah, that's that's real cool that they they take the time to do that because they they fully understand what engaging youth is all about. Now we were talking about the cube sets and we talk about engineering as as the e in stem and steam. but it's more than just electrical or electronic engineering, isn't it? Yeah it's I mean,
1: I view engineering as just kind of building things and and learning how things work. A lot of it is electrical and a lot of it is just you know mechanical engineering kind of stuff where it's how to build structures and enclosures. 3D printing is another example where people are getting into and combining 3D printing with amateur radio to build, you know, enclosures for, for some of the equipment that they're using. I mean, like, for example, the ICOM 705, there are a lot of people who have built 3D printed cages and accessories for, for that radio. And it's, Oh, yeah. That's what experimentation is all about.
0: Now, you and I attended a show in June located in Seaside, Oregon. And there was a group of college students that actually were working on not only telemetry, but also guidance for a pretty major um, rocket project that they were doing. I mean, you you think about model rocketry and you, you think of these little whiz bang short, um, rockets that you buy in kits, but this, this one really had some serious structure to it. Do you remember the group that I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't remember
1: exactly. We had several colleges there. That was part of our, our collegiate outreach. And, uh, you know, myself and Bob Enderbits in here, we, we kind of oversee that group. Um, I won't say we, Run it because it's really designed to be run by the students. We're just kind of the grownups in the room that pay for pizza when they go places. But you know, they're that—that's a great group of kids. And you're right; they—they built rockets. And the rocket you're referring to, if I remember right, is it's about 12 feet tall. I mean, it's a serious, serious rocket. Um, And And it wasn't much
0: plastic to it either. It was aluminum, extruded aluminum. So there was some serious mechanical engineering going on software engineering. I mean, the young lady that told me about their project, you could just, the passion that she exhibited was just contagious.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of where, where we're after is, you know, a lot of these collegiate kids, especially in this rocket program, there are a lot of people who do rockets who don't understand or know about amateur radio. And so it's an opportunity for some of these collegiate folks to actually kind of expose the older folks in the school, the o- older engineering professors and stuff to the ideas of amateur radio. There's, I have a a, a slide in some of my presentations I do of another young lady, uh, Morgan, who she went out and they launched a rocket and they were doing the telemetry using amateur radio frequencies and whatnot. And, you know, it it went up and she was the only licensed ham out there. So she had the opportunity to explain to all of these other 15 other folks out there what amateur radio was and let them know some of the experimentation opportunities
0: that are there for that. There again, amateur radio opens a lot of doors for a lot of people. Uh, they can make incredible career choices from it. Uh, it's, it's more than just that that guy that has all the towers in his backyard with all the antennas and wires and everything running around. Um, so we've we've touched middle school, you mentioned Cody in the sixth, well, I guess sixth grade is still ed- elementary, right? No, he was he was in middle school at that
1: point. So he's in, okay. I guess Cody's probably, I guess he's a junior this year. It's Let's see, I've been here two years. So he was going, I, yeah, so I, I'm guessing he's a junior this year.
0: So you're talking about middle school. You're talking about junior high because you had him in one of your classes in ninth grade. We've talked about high school and the transition into college. Yeah, So it, it looks like the things that you're doing is touching all layers of education. And I know we've had some kids that and a couple of them actually got their Morse code to get the original novice license when they were eight years old. So it's pretty incredible what today's youth have in front of them in contrast to video games and things like that. Yeah. In fact, you know, the first group of
1: kids I ever got licensed, they were fourth graders. So they were, you know, nine and 10 years old. And that was all the way back in, I guess, 2006-ish, maybe 2005, somewhere around there. And, you know, I learned a lesson with with them, especially at an elementary age is, you know, I, I got three kids that year, got their license. And then I came up and I ended up moving that next school year and what ended up happening is nobody was there to keep those kids engaged and if you don't engage kids especially at a young age to help them kind of find their way then you lose them and you know so all three of those licenses expired after 10 years so i kind of took that that knowledge and that's kind of my driving force between or behind rather why it's so important not just to license them but also make sure that they get engaged and and on the air
0: yeah, that's, that's very important to to keep from doing just the catch and release type uh, licensing. You know, there's a, an instructor in California that we have worked with. Uh, her group started from a friend of mine who's now a silent key, uh, David Collingham, K3LP. He wanted to get back to the community. He worked with the elementary school that he went to when he first got licensed. And it was interesting to see this, see some of the students in this class, because these students were um, having trouble, uh, kids that couldn't stay focused in class and things like that. I remember the story of this one young man that had a hard time studying, stuttering, and really couldn't talk to people. But they had a science fair, and what intrigued him was talking about the ban plan, where you could and could not operate, what licenses you need. And his instructor, Bev, told us that he just completely came out of his shell just talking about this. But if you were to walk up to him on the street, he would just be completely quiet. So it, it is intriguing to watch how this this kind of stuff really opens up the doors and the eyes and the ears of these kids. So, yeah, that's that's kind of common with
1: teaching in general. A lot of kids have trouble focusing, have trouble staying on task until there's something that they're truly interested in focusing on and staying on task for. So, you know, the fact that that you can use something like amateur radio in, in a classroom that covers so many different aspects of. Of education gives the kid a reason to to pay attention and, and to dive deeper. You know, an example of that um, when I taught the sixth graders, we actually worked a guy from Italy from the station out back, and uh, or at, in the classroom with the antenna just sitting out back of the school, and the kids were instantly, you know, they jumped on Wikipedia to learn about Italy. They jumped into Google Earth after they found out where the guy lived, and dropped into Street View on google earth and they were able to kind of explore this person's town where they lived and it's funny i remember this one because you know the kids kids are kids and so they're just going to ask whatever questions they want to ask and so they they made a comment about something a little pastry shop or something on the corner and the guy said actually the better pastry shop is up the street and you know the kids are like oh and so then he's trying to tell them how to get there and so they're learning learning how to read maps and and learning about culture and, and having a conversation with somebody at the same time.
0: And there you go, in a different aspect, geography with it as well. Well, Steve, I appreciate your time today to to give us an introduction into what you do. I look forward to you being on the show again, as well as uh, looking at other areas that we could talk about.
1: Sounds good. I appreciate you having me, Ray. So... You know, it's like I said, it's inspiring teachers is is kind of my my thing. So anytime you want to have me back on to to help do that, I'm more than willing to do so.
0: And if there was one phrase that you could leave with any of the instructors that are watching this, what would that be, sir? Just one. okay. Um, (laughs) so I would say, you know, keep
1: inspiring kids to do great things and whatever tools you have available or at at your fingertips to to make that happen let's make that happen and if you need help getting amateur radio into your classroom you know give me a call i'm more than happy to help and if they wanted to learn more where would they look um i would suggest looking into our teachers institute and that's just our website arl.org slash
0: ti for
1: teachers institute
0: thank you very much and everybody thank you for watching 73 73 ray thanks